0: If you like to eat your sandwiches before they've been fucked, then you've come to the right place. This is America's most familiar podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I was doing an erotic dance for my friends, but you've ruined it. I'm Cleveland Mosier, and we're werewolves, not swearwolves. I'm Ben Sheets, the poker. Oh, Oh, the poker and the stoker. And this evening, we're coming at you... To talk about a very fun and delightful film from 2014 called What We Do in the Shadows, uh, written and directed by Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement of uh, Flight of the Concords fame, starring both those gentlemen as well as Corey Gonzalez McCure and Johnny Brugge. And it is the story of. Uh, some vampires sharing a house in Wellington, New Zealand and their general foibles and fumblings. Mockumentary is My- the word. Yes, yes, yes. It is a it is a mockumentary, and uh it did go on to uh create the uh spin-off television show of the same title that Uh, By the time this is out, we'll have just wrapped up its second season, Uh, and that's why I picked this movie this week, because we've been talking about so many exhausting, dour movies lately, (laughs) like... The Greasy Strangler and the House that Jack Built and, you know, just real bummers. And, you know, I was I was getting a little bit of the quarantine blues and I uh, figured, hey, let's talk about something fun and and upbeat and delightful. Upbeat horror is a thing and it's it's time. Uh, It is.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, I'll definitely be going that route as well for my next pick, but more
0: on that later. So, this movie, as I mentioned, came out in 2014. I've seen it several times now, and it is one of my favorite uh, horror mockumentaries, just one of my favorite mockumentaries in general. I think it's a very, very funny film.
2: Yeah, it plays off the classic tradition of, you know, a bunch of improv taken and uh, pieced together into something that works. As a whole,
0: so it's essentially a documentary crew following around uh, some vampires and delving into their uh, hidden world and seeing how they are handling uh, modern times as uh, several hundred year old beings. I love how
1: the premise itself like breaks one of the vampire rules of like masquerade. Vampires have that same like the first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about vampires, you know, kind of situation yeah. and. And instead of just, like, trying to hand-wave that, uh, that away, they they kind of lean into that, um, and it's sort of one of the recurring jokes is uh, that... Well,
0: uh, well, I would say uh, telling people that you're a vampire uh, that probably shouldn't know you're a vampire uh, is one of the central themes of this movie. Yeah, it's
1: definitely a big callback joke and a great one. For I
2: it. love how they introduced that, too, with intro cards saying, like, all of the crew is wearing cross necklaces and <laughs> have agreed to not be eaten
0: yes <laughs> they set that up uh very nicely so our uh this is very much a uh, a character driven film so i think we should break down the characters a little bit uh we have viago who is played by uh taika waititi who is uh kind of a old school uh foppish dandy vampire <laughs> we have uh vladislav played by uh jemaine clement uh, of, who is uh, flight of the concourse yes, as i mentioned flight of the concords fame and lots of other stuff his oh, yeah. uh, his comedy backlog is uh, is pretty pretty huge He's a Vlad the Im- the Impaler type of vampire, mm-hmm. uh, Vlad the Poker, as uh, he was called. <laughs> I love that. That's probably
1: one of my favorite like character bits in there. They could have just stopped it at like, haha, vampire mockumentary, and, but they they still like did their homework and uh, had like you know like a, v- a Vlad the Impaler character from Wakalia and like all that sort of stuff. Well, I mean it's the whole nice the
0: whole point of the movie is to satirize the vampire tropes. You mm-hmm. know, pretty much every every good old fashioned uh, vampire trope is on display here, turning into bats, having to be invited in to enter a building, being able to hypnotize, uh, you know, being sort of uh, sexual deviants. You know, uh, getting burnt by sunlight Getting burnt by sunlight uh, Having beef with werewolves Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's all there But it's modernized uh, And b- before we continue with that Just th- to lay out our last couple of main characters The youngest of the three Is Deacon uh, Who is, uh, they call him kind of the, the hip young bad boy Vampire, but he's uh, 183 years old <laughs> um, I, I, <laughs> So like young to them but still very old, and then uh, a big crux of the movie is that uh, they are sort of inducting a new vampire into their group, uh, uh, Nick, who is a, a <laughs> brand new vampire. We see him get turned early in the movie, sort of a
1: broey character.
0: Yes, and uh, one of my favorite characters who doesn't actually have any dialogue is their uh, their fourth flatmate, Peter, 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 <laughs> uh, who is your uh, classic uh, Nosferatu. To rat-like kind of vampire, played by Ben Fransham, uh, who actually looks pretty
1: young on his IMDb. Uh. Oh
0: yeah, well I mean he's in uh, in heavy makeup, of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I I love Peter because he never says anything, and he's like the scariest. He lives in the basement and like this stone coffin, just straight up
1: Nosferatu. Yeah,
0: we we see like uh you know he he's the most uh, the voracious hunter. Uh, I love I love how uh, Deacon talks about his own turning uh, a couple hundred years ago. It's like he was walking by a castle and uh, a a horrible bat like creature swooped down and dragged him off into the castle and drained him of blood and then forced him to drink his own blood and then says, and it was Peter and we're still friends to this day.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I love how uh, they're friends with Peter just because, you know, multiple of them have been turned by Peter. Yes. Like, Nick was also turned by yes. Peter. Uh, which I find
0: Peter, is, as they mentioned, is 8,000 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Has been around for a hot minute. And yeah, he's kind of notorious for, like, just turning people for no reason. Uh, because Nick is uh, brought to their house uh, as a sort of sacrifice by uh, uh, Deacon's familiar. She brings them people that, that she doesn't like and her of course her whole thing as a familiar is uh you know after some years of good service Deacon is supposed to turn her into a vampire. So then the fact that Nick gets turned instead <laughs> is uh is, she's so livid
1: about it. I love that. Like one of the, one of the, my favorite little interview sequences where I think she just straight up says like if I had a dick I'd be a, I'd have been a vampire, a vampire like, years, like, a years ago. ago. It's like like they're like their little fucking fraternity and like she's on the, she's keeps getting put on the sidelines. Fun little dig at patriarchy. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Like yeah. even even vampires are fucking boys clubs. Just can't get a win.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I I love the the scene where like uh, she goes to meet Deacon in the the vampire club, which is really funny because it's like you think of vampire club and you think of like Blade, you think of like the 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 sexy like cool goth nightclub a lot of black leather a lot of black leather and stuff like that eyeliner and they walk into the the one bar in wellington that's owned and operated by vampires so they don't have to be invited to come in and it's just like this total dumpy ass dive bar like there's like three people in there <laughs> it's just like so dead and, and they're so proud of it like right exactly but when uh jackie uh goes to see deacon there and she's like it, it's been a few years and I feel like I've I've really uh reached my best me so I'd really like to be turned soon before I get much older and he just like brushes it just completely brushes her off
1: I love how they carry that trend over into the TV show too like yes Guillermo is one of my favorite characters on the show
0: yes Guillermo the familiar on uh, on the TV show is uh much more central to the plot than than Jackie is in this movie and you know I think that's I think that's okay mm-hmm. I like the, the human perspective You know, because it's nice to have... In in this, you have Nick as somewhat of, like, the grounding human perspective, because he's uh, in the midst of his transformation into a vampire. So once Peter turns him, he uh, sort of, like... Takes the other three out and about and like shows them sort of how to interact with the rest of society. Still not very well because he himself is kind of a loser. My favorite character though is
2: Nick's friend Stu. Stu! Uh, <laughs> you know, one of the main human characters in the movie. Just a normal dude. <laughs> yeah,
0: completely innocuous, boring. He doesn't have many lines. Uh, the recurring gag is that like they just keep having. having Having him tell other vampires, like, what he does, and he just goes into, like, rambling about working as, like, a systems analyst or something, (laughs) just, like, boring garbage.
1: Like, almost the precursor to, like, the energy vampire thing that they play up on the show. Yes!
0: But even though he's so innocuous and boring, everybody still likes him more than Nick, <laughs> which is I think a really funny gag that all of the vampires love Stu, and they love to have Stu hanging around, and he shows them all kinds of stuff like uh, how to use YouTube and Skype uh, and, and shit like that, and uh, how, how to watch a video of a sunrise online because they can't see a real sunrise. But Stu is just he's great he's like he's a a total ambient character he doesn't do anything but he's always just kind of there and everyone loves him for some reason
1: (laughs) i think like uh part of it too is like these vampires are like so desperate for new human interaction right and probably have forgotten that about themselves so it's it's, they've, they've sort of been reminded of like like new personalities and seeing new people because they don't really have the opportunities to go out and meet new people very often so, like, bringing even this, like, really boring guy into the fold is, like, this really fascinating thing for them. That's that's cute.
0: And, uh, of course, like, the comedy in this movie is fish-out-of-water kind of scenario. Like, these old, mystical, monstrous creatures trying to coexist in, like, modern New Zealand. Maybe not necessarily the most original premise, but I think there's a lot of really good gags that come from it. Um, especially because, like... Vampire shit is mad overdone these days, you know? So it's nice to see something that takes all of those familiar tropes and has some kind of twist on them. Well, and the thing is, too, like, vampires as
2: a genre tend to be very self-serious. Yes. Look at stuff like interview with a vampire for example this movie really points its finger at you know how goofy a lot of those elements are when you kind of look at them critically
0: yes it uh it de-sexifies uh vampires in in many ways not and not only does it do that but i think it
1: also makes fun of other fake documentary shows i think that this parodies the office Really well, because the, the the format. I think if I had to pick a like show format that it, cl- it most closely mirrors, it would probably be The Office. Like even for the film, the little cutaways to the characters, like in the side interviews, the audio over the top, the flow of it is all it's all very similar to like an episode of The Office. It it all it all feels like very like paced out the same way. I love that about it because it's it's taking those ideas that I find you know like as I get older to be a little drab and boring, uh, and and giving them a lot more variety. And uh, honestly too, like giving us moments that I think feel even more genuine than some of those shows fur is like goofy and wacky because the premise is these like weird vampires
2: that's interesting that you compare the two because i don't know if i would make that comparison i think this movie feels more in the realm of like christopher guest movies like spinal tap or best in show where like so much of it is based off of improv and quotable moments The serious elements of stuff like The Office when there are some, I don't think that really... Transfer is over
1: well, the, you're saying improv a lot to me like it seems like a lot of like crafted dialogue because like they're doing their homework on some of the stuff and like they're, they like, shot like 250 hours for this
2: movie
0: really cut it down to like 90 minutes so I wonder if that was part of the decision to later spin it off into a show just in seeing like how much material they could get out of it definitely I like wow 250 hours and I'm, I'm sure some of it was not good but uh and you Honestly know, and like and you. like, even even watching the show, I have been very pleasantly surprised how well the shtick. Carries on. It has good longevity. Like, yeah, the longevity. Thank you. How much longevity it has? Because you know, I I love this movie, but it's only like an hour and a half. And when I heard they were making a show, I was like, uh, Is that gonna be funny enough to do like an extended show without getting tired? Even seeing the first couple
2: episodes when it first came out, I was a little hesitant because. You know, while it was funny, I had the feeling that these characters would overstay their welcome. But I think the the magic of both the show and the film are not necessarily in the characters, but in the quotable, funny gags. You know,
0: and I interesting. Think, uh, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you. There are a lot of quotable, funny gags, but I like the characters are probably my favorite thing about about the movie. Same. And the show. That's definitely
1: what I find the most compelling.
0: Well, I what I mean by that is the characters
2: on their surface are fairly one note. Oh sure. For the okay. most part and they get the mileage out of that because of you know the gags they put characters yeah, into. Yeah, and, and you know
0: I think it's I think it's appropriate because these characters are all very stuck in their ways because they are hundreds of years old mm-hmm. and they can't sort of evolve with society because their survival depends upon secrecy. So I I think that there's so much mileage to be gained from like shoving monsters Modern things at them just like the very premise of like a bunch of vampires having to be roommates. Like, some of the earliest gags in, in this movie are them arguing over their, their like, chore wheel that they've created <laughs> that is, like, this badly cut out and, like, colored pieces of paper that with their names on that they can, like, spin for different chores. But they're angry at Deacon because he hasn't done the dishes in five years. <laughs> and so there's just... And it cuts over, and there's just five years' worth of dishes that are ab- just covered in blood stacked up there which like of course begs the question it's like what are vampires using dishes for anyway they they get their sustenance straight from straight from the I tap think we so to see, speak like
1: bits of blood like like caked on the dishes oh the
0: dishes are covered in
1: blood Yeah.
0: Which, and but like the idea of eating blood off of, of a, a plate is like <laughs> really funny too i think the only time we ever see them use the dishes is when they bring in nick and the other girl in the first place to uh, have some biscotti, some, <laughs> some biscotti. How the fuck is that gag so goddamn funny? Every time. <laughs> every time it got a laugh out of me.
2: This is my favorite trick. We present our guest with a plate of baschetti. And then I will say, why don't you eat some biscotti, Please, Nick, eat some biscotti." I didn't realize
0: you enjoyed eating worms. Nick. No, no. They are world <laughs> <Lock-offs>. <laughs> There's worms wiggling around in my plate. It is worm-like, but it's not actually.
1: Really
0: we stole that idea from the Lost Boys
1: because like there's there's the playoff of like like the the quote like old way to pronounce spaghetti and it's just another way of showing like how out of touch they are yeah <laughs> amazing I, I yeah I'm pretty sure also like that's not true or something like I, I read something about that recently but
0: I no know there, nobody's caught nobody calls spaghetti biscotti well, I don't think no one ever did too. <laughs> no I don't like, think anybody <laughs> ever did either well, like,
2: what's really funny is later on Nick mistakes it, for biscotti. it for biscotti For, for biscotti yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> or, I don't think it's Nick, but somebody else does. Is like, yeah, they, they tried to offer me, I think they tried to offer me biscotti. Oh, maybe a stew. <laughs> <laughs> My stew. I thought that was a really good yeah. callback, too. Uh, like that whole gag in general, just like them hypnotizing uh, Nick into thinking that his plate of spaghetti is full of worms and then convincing him that his dick has turned into a snake. Nick, Nick how did it feel to have a snake for a penis? Jackie, my penis has disappeared. There's a cobra stuck. No one's going to mistake your penis for a cobra (laughs) neck. Okay, believe me. No, it is just a normal penis. I'm out. I'm out. Josephine, you like spaghetti? (laughs) that kind of stuff is like I think it's funny because of how childish it is oh yeah that like these these several hundred year old creatures are still playing like juvenile gags oh yeah
1: well it's it's like it's it's so delightfully uh like opposed to the the image we often have in our head of like the Bela Lugosi like I don't drink wine vampires that are all fancy and shit right. still acting kind of like broy from their own time period it, is, there's almost more realism in that <laughs> to a degree uh, it, it's, it's almost more believable than just Bela Lugosi yeah. you know like still being like fancy and uh, like it's, this many years it's on. It's
0: exactly like the point Ben made a few minutes ago that it's all about like removing the self-serious nature from vampire Vampires, yes. And showing that, like, inherently this this cultural picture that we have of vampires is very silly at its core. <laughs> when you have uh, to pardon the pun, when you shine the light on it, it actually it becomes hard to take it seriously. Yes. And uh, you vampires know, we, are people, too. <laughs> We've even we've even talked about that other times in like more self serious vampire movies. This was before your time on the show Cleveland, but was the Ben was that fucking uh, one with Udo Kier, produced by oh, Andy uh, Warhol, Blood for Dracula, Blood for Dracula, or something yeah. like that, which is uh, similarly like very self serious, but. <laughs> corny because of very campy (laughs) because of how self-serious it is. I just love the, um, just stripping away of that self-seriousness and just laying bare how dumb and goofy these characters are. Vlad, in particular, is, uh, very funny because he has sort of, like, lost his mojo over the centuries. Because uh, of the Beast. Because of his uh, his nemesis, the Beast, uh, which we find out later is just his ex-girlfriend, which is very <laughs> funny, very funny, and that he's been calling her the Beast and talking about his many
2: battles with the Beast. The The funniest part is every time they they mention the Beast, they show this really crude drawing like medieval
1: yeah. drawing of of like it's like an old walnut ink illustration
0: yeah it's like a little but <laughs> it's like a little potato thing with like chicken legs and just a dick hanging <laughs> off, of like, off of its chest yeah, yeah. I, I love you, that you know I'
1: say though is i'm i'm sure that they just found that in the book somewhere oh like, yeah totally. like most of the the paintings on the show and uh in the film as well, are, like, just, like, relatively known pieces in classicism, and they've photo-edited in, like, little things, or, like, painted in stuff, which is way funnier to me the in some cases like they they made a, f- a number of their own like the the any of the images of the main characters are usually like just their own but uh a lot of the other like little side ones and stuff are are like known sourced pieces and uh it's it's funnier for that like for me being able to like to recognize some of them.
0: Yeah, and- that's a very specifically niche thing for people like you who true. have such a vast knowledge of art history. Um a lot of it is stuff that the average person and myself included would not recognize but I do think like it that kind of stuff. Even if you don't recognize it, is a nice attention to detail. Oh, yeah. It sort of helps the characters feel their age, like seeing these old school like paintings or medieval drawings. Of, yeah, like of, Goya with like Jupiter them. eating his son yeah. and
1: stuff, which has I don't think anything to do with vampires, but it certainly looks vampiric.
0: <laughs> it's macabre. You know, exactly, there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of macabre art uh, in in this movie, and I mean, of course, like the characters are very uh, as vampires, they are very edgy, but but Vlad losing his mojo to go back to that ha- produces some of my favorite gags in the movie. I think of stuff when like he's uh, walking around outside trying to like hypnotize people to let him into their house, uh, and he's just like standing outside the window of just like people watching TV, just going, "See me." <laughs> yeah. See me. <laughs> and it's like, oh, they they can't see me from this angle. <laughs> yeah, <and> then, <laughs> to go to a different window, see me.
1: <laughs> it it reminds me of the bit in Ed Wood where, like the uh the old the elderly Bela Lugosi starts uh, is like watching Elvira and he starts doing like the hypnotic like hand movement <laughs> <on the> screen.
0: <laughs> another another fantastic example. Uh, also combining like the the art history stuff is they talk about how. Vlad used to be, like, a great shapeshifter but now he can't get any of the faces right. So they just use, like, a lot of, like, very old paintings where, like, artists could not quite make animals look right, which are one of my... It's my favorite genre of artwork is uh, weird-looking animals. I mean,
1: shoot, like, it's probably top three for me, too. Like, wrong dogs are hilarious. Wrong horses are weird. I love it. Wrong cats are my favorite.
0: so good. And when Nick is trying to escape from the house, (laughs) after the dinner party scene and he's just like running through the dark house and just runs across a cat that just has Vlad's face is one of... if not my favorite visual gag in the movie, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's like etched into my mind,
1: uh, and it, it really does look like some of those weird cats. Because like all those yeah. artists, because uh, like it, to, to those artists, like like small credit, like they, they couldn't like get photos of these creatures. And in some cases, like when it, uh when it came to, like with them trying to draw lions and stuff, it was they were just drawing pictures of like other people's pictures of lions or like like written descriptions. But even with like cats and dogs, like it's really hard to get a cat or dog to sit still for oil painting that's true, that's, true. Like, that's, that's not an easy feat and and so like you, so you can just imagine just, these poor artists wing it. yeah you do and and the thing about it is like whenever you wing it like you tend to incorporate a lot of your own face into things like uh uh, you'll see it like with, like artists a lot when they're doing portraits will incorporate some of their own facial features into portraits as well so it just kind of happens like naturally so that's sort of one of the reasons why you have those like weird wrong dogs in history and I love it I, well so I, I
0: love I love that this movie gives like a uh, a lore reason for that and yeah. it's just van- that it's <laughs> vampires who have not who can't quite get the face right <laughs> it's very funny it's a very so funny good. gag it's so good man so much of what i want to talk about in this movie is literally just like listing gags that yeah yeah like we, 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 we gotta avoid just like doing just like hey remember this scene it's remember it's not this? it's not a particularly like narratively deep film no. by any means there
1: are, there are a few thematic things though like we could bring up like like they do a fun job of like uh, with Nick's character of comparing like becoming a vampire with coming out and they, they carry that on a little bit in the show too. Uh and I I think that's fun. I think largely thanks to things like Interview with the Vampire and like some of the more Anne Ricey stuff, the LGBT community has sort of developed like a small love for vampires because of that that same sort of like that transition, you know, sort of phase and stuff that you have to go through
0: um but yeah bro vampires are gay as hell and i say that <laughs> and i say that in the best way oh yeah with love with, with <laughs> yeah, only absolutely. with love
1: and i i love that like that we get to see that through nick's sort of broey perspective is that we get this like this one interview moment where it's almost like a coming out tale but it's from this like super broey like like hetero dude
0: <laughs> well yeah and there's like and there's like that the the relationship that he has with Stu it's like you know he's my best friend so I'm not going to eat him, no matter how much I want to. It's like, oh
1: yeah, like super homoerotic, right, <laughs> <like. laughs> right. And and of course, like that 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 theme has always existed with vampires. And I think too uh, that is it is it Jackie. What is uh,
0: Jackie is um, uh, familiar? Deacon's familiar. Yeah, yeah, like
1: I think like Jackie even says that as well. It's like it's just all a bunch of like like broy like homoeroticus like bullshit. Which is why I loved the incorporation of getting a like a female perspective uh, on the show with um Oh, yeah, with Nadja. Yeah, she's, naja. she's one
0: of my favorite characters. She's Agre- the best. Agreed. It's
1: so nice to get like, a more female perspective on the show, and like that was a smart move. It was a very smart move on their part.
0: Well, I, to, go, to go back to the movie, because we will talk about the show, because I, I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. Um, I think that the way that they play that as sort of a foil to the werewolves is really good, because the vampires are these very, like, foppish dandies that, you know, dress in, like, frilly lace and cape And stuff and And give no fucks about people and give no food. That's it. Right. And the werewolves who they keep bumping into and having beef with are like soccer lads yeah <laughs> you know they're all yes. <laughs> they're all just they're all just like bros but also they're way less their their relationship with each other is like way less toxic well because the they, they treat
1: their werewolfism like they're in an aa group right like like it's an alcoholics anonymous thing like they're trying to live like as straight-edged of a life as they can because <laughs> they can still <laughs> yeah. interact with human society they can go out in daylight they're still like relatively um acclimated yeah. like uh and adjusted but they have this one problem so they ha- they have to like treat it like a like an AA thing so they, they almost feel like yeah, a bunch of like soccer lads who are uh, you know just trying to get back on the straight and narrow it's
2: definitely a pack mentality yes um, and uh, I love how they make uh, transforming into a werewolf seem like the biggest inconvenience <laughs> yes <laughs> like, I love that like the, the whole scene of the full moon coming out and them making sure they're Chain to the right tree. And they- yeah, you know how big you get when you transform. <laughs> that
0: tree's going to snap like a twig. You change, find a bigger tree. <laughs> and, like,
2: taking expensive clothes off so you don't rip it.
0: Oh, and yeah, like, why? there's the the whole little back and forth about uh, why one of them didn't wear uh, a tracksuit. It's like, those jeans, you can say goodbye to those jeans. They're going to be absolutely ruined. Yeah, might as well take <laughs> them off now. It's like, you wear the tracksuit because your body expands when you transform. <laughs>
1: Um, and I mean, just the imagery of like werewolves and tracksuits is great.
0: And uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's fucking fantastic. I mean, I'm all about the tracksuit life. I'm trying to buy more tracksuits this mm-hmm. year. But uh, it, a lot of the comedy in that in those scenes, too, is helped by um, the fact that the alpha werewolf is played by Reese Darby. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of werewolves uh, the dog just smacked Ben's <laughs> mic. Like, God damn it. Um but yeah, the the alpha werewolf is played by Reese Darby, who is uh the uh, the the travel agent in Flight of the Concords, He's a frequent uh, Jemaine Clement collaborator, and he's very funny. He's fairly versatile. He's been in a, a number. He's of been novels. a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's had he's had a lot of like small parts and things. I feel like he's kind of underrated as like a uh, a more prominent uh, character. Yeah, he's definitely a
2: great comedy character actor. I think part of it is he has. The improv chops. One of my favorite yes. scenes is uh, when the werewolves are in a pack uh, near the end, and uh, he's uh, telling jokes, and they're all laughing, and then he interrogates them as to why they're laughing, and they can't really give him a good
0: <laughs>
1: answer He's trying to like assert himself
0: as the because he's the alpha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the
2: alpha. Yeah, I mean, he emphasizes that he's right. the alpha by telling everyone that right. he's the alpha. <laughs>
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, he's great, and the whole uh, swearwolves gag is very funny as well. Uh, he's, he doesn't want... Uh, one of the werewolves keeps, uh, in their first encounter with our vampires, uh, you know, cussing at, at the vampires, and and uh, Reese Darby's character just like, hey, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. Watch your language. <laughs>
2: uh, one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is the whole premise of this is, you know, Fish out of water, vampires—you know—acclimating into society, and in the climax of this movie, you get the reversal of it in a really yes. interesting way with Stu. Great point. Going to the the ball and seeing how you know him being a fish out of water is the only human at a at a ball full of uh, vampires, vampires, witches, and zombies. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Um, is very funny, and I love the interactions of how the whole crew tries to defend Stu as much as possible.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that scene um, actually plays for tension quite well in a comedic movie, you know? Because it's like everybody starts realizing all at once that Stu is a human and... is a lamb in a dead alliance. Right, exactly. And, like, even though... We, as the audience, maybe don't have so much attachment to Stu because he has very few lines. We're
1: worried for the vampire's
0: happiness. Worried, yes, exactly. They,
1: you know, <laughs> the Stu, they is it, Stu, Stu is Eden. important. don't want to see
0: Stu. Stu is important to them, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so, like, that. Some sort of following by proxy is the audience. And, of course, you know, that scene also has. Uh, um, Vlad uh confronting yet again the beast. The beast. His his girlfriend Paul his ex-girlfriend Pauline. Uh, <laughs> I I love when he finds out that she's the guest of honor to the party and he doesn't want to go and we just and he's all we see him and he's all like shriveled up and like withered <laughs> and got like dry, cracked hair and pasty skin, <laughs> and he's just like been totally drained of his vitality uh at the, the thought of his. ex-girlfriend getting guest of honor over him (laughs) leave me to do my dark bidding on the internet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Another extremely stupid joke that always makes me laugh. Oh yeah, they're they're just like like so many
1: small moments, little bits of attention uh, that that just like like subvert that idea of like the fancy vampire. You've got like Taika Waititi like masturbating in his coffin, and
0: uh... oh yeah, that oh that's a really good B plot too. Like his old love, who he the reason he came to New Zealand in the first place, but uh, his old his old familiar put the wrong postage on his coffin (laughs) when he shipped him so it took him 18 months to get there (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah and and He prints out the picture that she gave him in the locket and tapes it to the inside of his coffin so he can jerk off to it. Well, and then, of course, the really nice joke there at the very end is he goes back to her as a 90-something-year-old woman and turns her into a vampire. (laughs) My favorite part of that whole gag is right at the end, like
2: the last thing we get before the credits is... Uh, you know, she's talking about how it'll be pretty nice to be a vampire and it just lingers on her uh, after she says that and there's almost a look of realization
0: that she's gonna stay that age forever. It's almost like the end of The Graduate, you know, where both of them are sitting there and, they, and the camera holds on them just long enough where they both kind of realize like, oh shit, did we make a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that's a really good bit.
2: This is my favorite Takeaway TT movie. Oh, yeah. I think he's a really great director. I wasn't the biggest fan of Jojo Rabbit personally. I thought it was pretty decent. Um, But uh, The Hunt for the Wilder People is fantastic. And Thor Ragnarok is pretty decent. Like, Thor Ragnarok yeah, one is of, one of the better, I think, surprisingly
1: Marvel films. good
0: for a Marvel you movie. You know why? Yeah. Because
1: it knows what it is. Like it, like well, Taika Waititi went in like knowing what to do, and also like Thor is one of the most fish out of watery characters. I think Thor like is at his best when he is like sort of unsure of where he is, like in the first one you know like he he's doing that whole like get my horse you know shit like yes. it's, it's pretty funny <laughs> like those are good bits. so yeah like taika i think just like brought all the right things well, that like, I mean, people wanted to see it
0: has it has a good sense of humor and Comic books need to be campy, and comic books need to, similarly to uh, what we do in the shadows, not be so damn self-serious. Yes, yes. You know, yeah, and comic I books, think, graphic
1: novels, you know. Yeah,
0: and I, I think that uh, I think that the reason that Thor Ragnarok is decent as a Marvel film is because Taika Waititi knows that. Yeah, it does yeah. what it's setting out to do, and which would just
2: be a fun pop. movie. Ragnarok certainly falls into some of the Marvel trappings at times. Sure. But, like, got to give them a little bit of props for letting a comedy director do a comedy movie rather
0: than, you know, know,
2: pigeon it into a strict superhero.
0: Well, you know, it's it's just like we talked about not long ago when we talked about Blade 2 just like Guillermo del Toro, it's like Taika Waititi is a comic book fan. He knows the tone of the movie that he's supposed to be making and he does it right. On the subject of Blade, another one of my favorite bits in this movie is uh <laughs> when they say that vampires love Wesley Snipes. Nice. <laughs> I, they they Blade, love. They hate love Blade, Wesley but Snipes. they love Wesley Snipes, and they never explain that. Well, I, I don't
1: think they have to. It's just like Wesley Snipes is so goddamn charming. Like, like you, you, get, you, you can't not love Who the man, even if he is a vampire Wesley killer. Snipes. Like, he's I love, great. I love like, Wesley and Snipes. And I, I think that's all there is to it. <laughs> like, I love
0: Wesley Snipes cameo on uh, the show. What we do in the shadows when they go to the uh, the whole vampire council episode, and, he's and just Taika like, Waititi's there, and. Jermaine Clement and like all of these other like vampires from other movies. Yeah, but like, do they get Wesley Snipes? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the he whole Skypes gag in. Is, these... <laughs> is on Skype and the
1: connection is really bad. Yeah, but like that was that was Wesley Snipes. Yes, yeah, so it, it was, 100% was a... Wesley, Wesley, Wesley oh, Snipes. Damn, I, th- I thought they just got like a Wesley Snipes like. No, it's pretty God. great. <laughs> no, the quality one... is really bad. That's the, the whole joke. <laughs> so I wasn't totally sure.
0: Yes, it's definitely <laughs> Wesley Snipes, but uh, I, I had forgotten about the vampires love Wesley, Wesley Snipes joke in this movie, so I think that looking looking forward at that episode of the show, that's a really nice callback, especially considering that they have like Viago and Vlad and Deacon at like the vampire council <laughs> anyway, so it's like we're already seeing these other characters, and then even though the vampires love Wesley Snipes, Blade exists in the- this world which is <laughs> like real life Blade. oh that's pretty pretty yeah. fucking good man do you want to talk a little bit about the show yeah it's time perfect it, cast like yes perfect ideal everyone is, is
1: is amazing on it like i i just i can't stop gushing about it i think the cameos they get are fabulous mark hamill recently like just mm-hmm. doing his Joker voice in like a spirit Halloween like vampire costume was was a stitch. Uh, Matt Berry, uh, I mean, one yeah, of my I favorite comedy actors. I love like... him in
0: everything. He they couldn't have got a better person.
1: For, oh, yeah. for this show. Like like I I mean I'm I'm such like a Matt Berry fan. Like I I even like like Toast of London. Like to a degree, I can't get enough of of him. Like he's he's so funny. He's he's so much fun to imitate too. Just like the 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 father bits for my tea crowd and like he's great on garth Marenghi's dark place oh yeah
0: (laughs) another one of my favorite roles that he's done Mm -hmm. um you know i similarly shared a couple of concerns for through the first few episodes of the show because there's a lot of like repeated gags I mean, I know it's a, a spinoff of the movie, so they want to get the mileage out of those things. But I was a little bit worried. It's like, OK, are you just going to do this? Is your whole thing going to be that you do the same gags from the movie? And thankfully, it, it outgrew that pretty quickly. One great example of
2: that is the energy vampire. Yes. You know, when that's first introduced, oh, I Colin, thought. Colin. Yeah, yeah, Colin, Colin Robinson. Yeah, Colin Robinson. Because so yeah.
1: <laughs> <Like,
0: laughs> you know. they always
1: refer to him by his first and last name. Yeah. God, the episode where he gets the A plot line and becomes a manager is well, like, God, it's so good.
2: That's the thing. Like, at first viewing, you know, you think, oh, that's a one off joke you know how much mileage can you really get out of you know turns out a one-dimensional character turns out a bunch (laughs) They get a lot of mileage out of it and it's again because not because of the character necessarily but in the environments and the gags they put him into and that he
0: always like shows up when they need him the least (laughs) like usually when there's you know they're trying to solve some kind of problem and then Colin Robinson shows up and just sucks all of the information Energy out of the room and makes, love makes it. it even harder to solve the problem. Uh, I like guess working really hard, harder, hardly, hardly working. working.
1: <laughs> Um I also love uh like Kevan Novak's like uh, Nandor character who gets a lot of screen time like
0: he's very similar to Taiko Waititi's yeah, character in the movie but they give him like a bit of like
1: an Ottoman arc which yes. is fun like like you get you get some uh like Ottoman Turk you know sort of like influence thrown in which is which yeah, is a he's delight. not just a European vampire mm-hmm. that that adds to some of the fun and lot, lots of new excuses for paintings but uh Laszlo and Nadja's relationship and like their couple therapy like as vampire stuff like has definitely not gotten old for me in any way yet and also guillermo's arc like with him like slowly maybe becoming a vampire hunter i'm loving that well
0: he when he learns that he has uh van helsing blood and so he's he inadvertently kills vampires
1: (laughs) he also like when he first learns it like uh he thinks it's a coincidental name and that van helsing is fiction and yeah. he's like slowly figures like, oh, wait a minute, I'm a familiar to vampires. Maybe he is real,
0: right? No, he's he's, great he's really great. They've gotten a lot of mileage out of the the familiar character as mm-hmm. well. And uh, that that trend
1: of like familiars like continually being turned down to become vampires, it will not get old for me anytime soon. Uh they can keep running that game. Yeah,
0: it. the idea of how like underappreciated they they are despite how hard they work. Like some of the bleakest stuff in the movie is like Jackie out in the middle of the night like spraying blood off of the driveway <laughs> after like Peter has grabbed me Or Nick.
2: cleaning the disgusting
0: bathroom the yeah the, the like blood drenched bathroom just like and they they do it because they they want to live forever mm-hmm. or when uh and it feels uh, like
1: like someone like uh just waiting for like that raise
0: and keep getting told like yeah. it's coming and just keep getting put back on it like very relatable when Stu uh teaches viago how to use skype and the first person he skypes is his old familiar back in germany who's 90 something mm-hmm. now it is like it's like so are you going to make me a vampire now i haven't done anything with my life i've been waiting to Become a vampire <laughs> and Viago just just like hangs up. On <laughs> I love how
2: they get even more mileage out of familiars in the show. How we see gags of other familiars. Yeah. For example, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a hip vampire club, unlike the really bad one in the movie. There's a hip downtown Manhattan. It's like on Staten Island the or something. The Nick Kroll uh, like...
0: is the... Well, no, the club is in Manhattan. Oh, you're right. It's, they yeah, live, they live in Staten Island. Island. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it is like a sexy vampire
2: Yeah, and club. then they have like a broom closet where the familiars just hang out in a little circle. And it's also the bathroom, <laughs> and there's
0: just buckets of piss on the floor.
2: <laughs> one of the familiars is just a cat.
0: <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh my god, that made me laugh so hard. Oh fuck. So here's a question for you guys because we've all been keeping current with the show and we just rewatched this movie with. Both those things being fresh in your minds, which one do you prefer, the film or the show? Oh, well, I
1: mean, the show is is already standing on its giant shoulders.
0: I mean, of course, the show wouldn't exist without without the film, but I guess that, that question kind of extends to, does the show improve on the film's premise? I think so. I
1: think so, because that premise works like again like in the uh in the same nature as like the office or parks and rec or any of those interview style shows that format works really good in half hour segments i love that about it we get more of it and they're able to run arcs out you know uh, uh over you know multiple episodes so we just we're just getting more character development out of it uh and it's managing to to maintain that mileage so I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the show. Also, just like I, I have such a decade, again, like a deep love for like Matt Barry and like the rest of the cast. But I mean, I also love Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement and the rest as well. But they're both great. And it's it's like it's like picking kids, you know, like it's it's pretty difficult. But I'm, I'm going to go with the show.
2: You know, I actually agree. Um, I think the movie has such a chaotic, you know, freewheeling energy because it's so improv heavy that. You know, the show feels much more structured in a lot of ways, but I think that works to its benefit, actually, because you get more good gags. The situations they're put into every episode are great.
0: I think that if you had asked me before we rewatched the movie, I would have said the movie hands down, but... I think I'm actually going to agree with you guys, and I think, I think that the show, like, it takes everything that the film established so well and takes it farther. And all of the character like, the characters are analogous to the characters in the movie. They have similar character types, and as much as I love Jermaine Clement and uh, Taika Waititi, they got good actors to sort of carry that torch. Well, and, and I think on top of it, one of the big things is is the show
2: at least the first season was for the most part directed and written by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi right. yeah. which is good because it captures the same you know spirit of the movie and while it's more structured, it's written by the same people that are riffing through the movie. It feels
0: It feels like they're finally getting to do things that they wanted to do in the movie. Yeah, the, the budget they have great. more. They have more of a budget for sure for the show. It's an FX thing, so they, you know they they've got money in it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I you know I would agree. I I think that like the show really just like takes a really solid fun lighthearted premise and and turns it into something that has surprising legs.
1: Yeah, and uh, two, I think it just came at a really great time for me. I had just tried to rewatch parks and rec oof, recently yeah. yeah and like the the politics and like oof, a few oof, of the oof, other oof, things oof, <laughs> oof, oof, and it was it was too hard and i couldn't and like it was kind of sad too because i still love a lot of those old characters from the show but it just it's it's hard to to put put a modern perspective on that one and like same with the office like i just kind of feel like i've outgrown it and i've never been uh, into the office <laughs> yeah and um i get the same kind of like character tracking Uh, and, and I still get to, to enjoy like, oh, what's, you know, like what's Andy going to get up to this week or what's Ron going to get up to? I, I get to ask that about Guillermo and, um, Laszlo and the rest. And so I still get my comfy show. But also, it's got a little bit of that that edge to it, and I think also lasting power.
0: Also, like it's very much benefited by being an FX show because they can get away with profanity yes. and like they are swear uh, more more. Yeah, they are swear <laughs> in in the show. Um, yeah, you know, overall, I'm 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 a big fan. I, I hope the the show continues to keep going. They've done two. Very solid seasons, I think the second season improved on the first one, even yeah i am I'm, I'm just happy that this movie was a thing, so that the show, like as <laughs> even as a jumping off point for for the show and i still uh I still love the movie we rate a rate, yeah. yeah yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and throw a rating onto it like yeah the the movie is is fantastic, it always makes me laugh. I laugh at the same gags, uh one of my favorite mockumentaries, I will say uh one thing uh to backpedal real quick. Sure. About the show that I that I do prefer about the movie is the setting. I know they're they've got budget and, you know, they're trying to make it bigger, so yeah, put it in New York. Americanize it. But I think part of the charm that the film has is it's made by dudes from New Zealand like I like that it's set in New Zealand and that for like American viewers, it's a taste of like another country and cultures comedy. And I don't know. I think that's part of what's charming about the movie is that these vampires aren't in like a major city like New York or LA or London or something like that. You know, they're in Wellington and like (laughs) just tucked off in a little corner of the, of the world. Um, but you know, yeah, this movie's fucking rules. I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five classic. Yeah, I'm going to mirror that in a
2: lot of ways. I love the chaotic, freewheeling energy of this movie. It's one of the most quotable movies out there, period. The whole premise is great, and the deadpan nature of the comedy will always be funny to me. It's a four and a half out of five as well for me.
1: Huh. I have no criticisms of this film, so I don't see any reason to not give it a five. I adore this film for all the same reasons. I smile every time I'm reminded of it. Easy five from me.
0: All right, well, What We Do in the Shadows gets a 4.7 out of 5 pods from us. Yeah, I mean, we should mention, like, while quarantine is still happening and everybody's stuck at home and stuff, like... The show is on Hulu. You got Hulu? You haven't seen it? Watch it. It's um, good to laugh. I don't know if the, if the movie's streaming anywhere, but if for some reason you haven't seen it, or if you're a fan of the show and haven't seen the movie that started it, you know, absolutely worth checking out. We could all use a laugh in, uh, uh, in these... Ugh Uh, So yeah, it was, it was nice to do that. Speaking of these times, it's time for our, midyear catch up and what may well be our end of the year <laughs> catch well, up. Well, I will well. say there's a few films scheduled,
2: but I'll believe it when I see it. And, no. <laughs> and if
0: they and if they come out for lack of better things to do, we'll probably give them their own episodes. So this might be the only catch up episode that we do this year, uh depending on how many movies come out. And Ben, I believe you have the results of of who won this contest of guesses this battle Ooh, who of, could it be who could it be mm-hmm. i
2: do indeed okay so uh, out of our 20 predictions five have come out
0: <laughs> and
2: uh <laughs> you know three have been pushed to next year and six have been delayed indefinitely um so oh, Wow um, Good
1: thing we don't cover we don't just cover current films. Thank God. <laughs> God.
2: Tease, you had three predictions, correct? Okay. Out of five. I had three as well, so we were tied. But inching us out was Cleveland with four. Woo! All just right. Barely
0: barely beating us out by Feels the skin of our team. So yes, Cleveland will be curating our next episode. Yep. We're not going to, and tell I sure you... have a lot of options to fucking pick from. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to tell oh, you well. what movies those are going to be yet. Yeah, there's still you'll some just, good ones though. You'll just have to uh, oh. check back next week and find out what those are. But yeah, there's a pretty small basket of horror movies that came out this year that we didn't choose from. So hopefully they'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of
1: baskets. Is it time for our sponsor? It sure
0: is. All right. Well, uh,
1: fortunately enough, uh, and tangentially enough, uh, this episode of Pod People was brought to you by Miss Bingles Bat Baskets. What are you doing with a with bat and no basket? What the, what the fuck is that? What, what's that about? You need to have a basket for your bat, because any anything looks cuter in a basket. So... This is true. So, what the fuck are you doing? Like, go go down to your your local pharmacy and and get a bat basket
0: for your bat. Break quarantine to go down. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it to go down to your pharmacy.
1: It's it's worth the risk. Uh, 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 uh side note, uh, or uh, uh in parentheses, uh, not worth the risk. Don't don't break quarantine that bad. Um, but yeah, no, go go get a fucking bat basket, you you, you lazy dick. And uh, yeah, they're they're made by Miss Bingle, and and deal with it.
0: All Thank right. Well, thanks to Miss Bingle's Bat Basket for sponsoring this classic episode of The Pod People. Um, that'll be it for us, I think. If you like the show and you like vampires, then... Go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and Do a nice it. review. Uh, if you can also follow us on Twitter at Pod People Pod and at letterbox.com slash Pod People Pod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Uh, follow me on Twitter at DeepStateOzzy for uh, tweets. <laughs> I'm
1: on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studio as we push out the next release of our lovely game, It Stares Back. Uh, We've made good progress recently and hope to continue to do so, so hopefully we'll have a little bit more to show there soon. You can also see my work on ArtStation. Go check it out under Cleveland Mosier. That's uh, M-O-S-H-E-R uh for some spooky cool paintings. Uh also my commissions are open, so uh feel free to hit me up if you want something doodled, sketched, painted, drawn or uh uh licked. And uh yeah. All c- right. Come on, come on around. I I'd, I'd love to help.
0: Cool. Well, we're pretty much halfway through 2020, maybe the worst year ever. Uh, so tune back in next week to hear about the horror movies that we haven't talked about the bubonic
1: plague was pretty bad too but that that was a bad time
0: my point is if you go outside wear a fucking mask please